This content is issued by Zeus Capital Limited, which is authorised and regulated in the United Kingdom by the Financial Conduct Authority, the designated investment business, and is a member firm of the London Stock Exchange. Nothing in this podcast should be viewed as investment advice. Listeners should consult an investment professional before making any decisions regarding topics mentioned in this podcast. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and not of Zeus. Please note that participants in this podcast may have financial interests in the matters discussed. Hi, I'm Nick Searle, a member of the Zeus Equity Sales Team and host of A Different Perspective. Here we interview interesting characters from the world of business and finance and uncover a different perspective. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts or contact me at live at zeuscapital.co.uk. It's Friday the 16th of September. With me today I have Alex Hoy. Alex is the co-founder of Faction Skis. Faction is the renegade, the disruptor of the ski industry. The skis your kids want to ski. Alex came from the establishment to found the anti-establishment Freestyle Faction Skis. Alex, welcome. Thank you. So great to be here. Let's start with how a Stanford and Harvard Business School graduate ends up starting a ski empire. Uh, I got to say, uh, you know, looking back, I, I think, you know, I, I grew up in Idaho in the, Moroc- in the Rockies of the United States uh, on a farm skiing was one of my, you know, great passions and joys. Um, but then uh, I went to you know, move on to explore the world um, after uh, undergrad at Stanford. Um, you know, I wanted to do something a little bit material, like uh, physical, the tangible. And I had, you know, I'd interviewed with the the banks and 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 some of the consulting firms, but but uh, Jeff Jeffrey Katzenberg had come to campus and had done a speech, and I was pretty fired up. I was like, you can use all these kind of business principles, but like for a real business and 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 get involved. So uh, you know, industrious self, I went to the. I noticed that they were interviewing the next day, so I I thought, of course, well, he must be here for the interviewing. Turned out to be. He had nothing to do with that, <laughs> but um, but uh, but it led me to slide my resume under the door of one of the interviewers at at their hotel the, the morning of the interviews, and she she found a slot for me, and I ended up joining uh, the the strategic planning uh, for the studios, uh, which worked for Katzenberg, and it was it was so that's it was sorry, a that's, it, that's, it, that's it Disney, yeah, that was a Disney, yeah. and so. Um, you know, it was it was it was a real adventure. It was crazy. There was all kinds of you know corporate mayhem going on between Katzenberg and Eisner and the the strap planning guys. Um, but it was it was such a, a educational opportunity. We we worked you know crazy hours. Um, you know you 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 parked in the parking lot down a ramp under a building that had literally the seven dwarves uh, as the pillars and designed by Michael Graves. But, you know, getting the, the first car, second car on the ramp really showed that you were there at five in the morning kind of thing, that that, that kind of silly stuff you'd get in banking, but paid a lot less. Um, so that I don't know if I got that right. But uh, but the adventure was fantastic. We did everything from, you know, buying Miramax to, um, you know, building out uh, the stage play division to uh, launching theatrical productions like Lion King and uh, and then passing on acquiring a little wacky business uh, run by uh, Steve Jobs called Pixar. But uh, <laughs> there, there were hits and misses. But it was a great way to learn about actually building a business. Um, 
brand and and the the power the magic of of media and, and theatrical and, and and visual performance and how much that just kind of fires people up so i think that must have gotten in there um and then i went on to you know after business school did my consulting bit to to get some adventure in the world went down to latin america uh worked there and then it was 99 it was um if you were an mba and it was 99 you were firing up some powerpoint and raising some money and that's what i did uh me and my and two uh two of my co-founders started a, a online auction company for industrial assets and we built that up we actually um listed it on aim in 2006 uh so we made it through the through the boom through the bust got it listed on aim in a very sketchy and little known uh device called a spac <laughs> yeah <laughs> before it was uncool i mean before it was cool or whatever it is now but uh but it was great um it, it was exciting but it, but then uh you know i i was I, I was actually cfo of that going through the kind of sarbanes oxley era uh with a 19 jurisdiction um nine company roll-up and uh, and I just said, you know, okay, I need, uh, you know, I, I, my my shareholding got squashed down by my savvy VCs who had a three times liquidity preference. So I had enough to, you know, at 36, take a little time to ski, surf, and uh, and, and take a break. And so I went to Verbier, and uh, that was kind of, you know, the mountains were calling from my Idaho days, and uh, it was it was a great adventure. I, I had been snowboarding for several years. And in oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. I said I am sorry. Yes, yes, indeed. And 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 it was, you know, because obviously that was what the cool kids were doing, and uh, and I fancied myself as, as something like that. Um, but I was being left behind uh, dramatically by my my friends on skis and and Verbier. It's it's a real backcountry playground. You you know, I'm no Xavier de la Rue. If you are on a snowboard, you know, you're not getting the the maximum opportunity out there. So I switched back to skiing. It's like whoa, what the hell was I doing snowboarding when skis have gotten so good and there's so much more you can do? And, and clearly it was because there was a, a lack of ski brands that were actually cool. I uh, met a guy named Tony who had made some some skis and, and had come up with a great kind of brand name and and sat down and said, hey, well, why don't we make why don't we make something big out of this? And, you know, started uh, the the Faction Collective in 2006. Um, but I'd always kind of considered it as something that would be a, a, a small project. I think I think he did too. And uh, I went back to London, uh, worked for PE through the through the 08 downturn, turning a, around a, a digital uh, marketing agency, and uh, and driving that. But all my nights, all my weekends, you know, everything, all my money, everything that I cared about was going into this this ski brand. And in 2012, you know that that moment came that said you better commit everything to this or you know it's kind of pointless um it also was a moment where we you know i came to the realization that the world had changed a small brand could really become a global brand in different ways than it used to be able to um media had changed retail had changed the way that consumers were buying things had gone from really you know ad campaigns and uh you know what was on tv and 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 
the what I call the tyranny of the shelf, um, meaning that if the buyer bought it, it was on the shelf and you bought it in the store that it was local to you and that you went to. And now it became possible to buy you know, the thing you wanted, even if it was esoteric and far away. Yeah. And we started becoming that. We started becoming the product that people would walk into shops and ask for instead of going into a shop and somebody saying, um, well, here's what we have. And, and it was a really exciting change. So that was where we saw the opportunity to say, you know, let's let's make this into something really, really exciting. And then the, the brand ethos for, for Faction? From the beginning, it was about a rebellion, uh, as you kind of pointed out in your, your intro. Um, rebellion, in, in, any rebellion has to be a rebellion against something. And I think that's what's beautiful about the name. The faction is, a, is the, the minority group uh, overthrowing the majority group for, to create change. And, and what we were looking for was not only bringing, so, so what is free skiing? Free skiing is first off a, a physical thing. It, the skis tend to be wider instead of narrower. It's a, it's a, it's a bit of a pushback against racing. It's taking a lot of the conceptual ideas from, from snowboard because, you know, what happened there back in the eighties and nineties was snowboarding really was focused on the individuals, on freedom, on fun, on innovation. And the big ski companies that back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, when they were founded, um, were also about innovation and technology, but they became kind of big machines, factory machines that were running through, in my opinion, um, you know, big distribution uh, led businesses that, that were, you know, grinding out lower margins and, and higher volumes instead of you know, fun, right, and excitement, and and so we were rebelling against that norm, but by bringing free skiing, and then one of the the, the cores of free skiing also came, you know, from around the 2000 era, when you started seeing twin tips. Twin tips were like yeah. having tips on both ends, like a snowboard on your ski, ostensibly so that you can ski backwards just as well as you can ski forwards. And I always kind of look at that as kind of like saying. You know, if you enjoy driving a Porsche Carrera with that big spoiler um, for your school run, you know, the spoiler is still there. It's not really helping you, um, but but it's cool and it's fun. Um, but what that twin tip also does is it makes the ski, the running length shorter, makes it work, you know, beautifully in powder because the running length gets bigger. Um, but but it's fun. It, it just makes skiing. And I remember growing up and I don't know about, about yourself, but when I grew up, I was you know, I'm not a tall guy. I'm well, as you know, neither am I. Neither, as you know, <laughs> I, I like hanging out with you. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm 171. I was riding 203 Olin skis that were, you know, narrow as, as heck. Um, that was not fun, but that, it wasn't supposed to be fun, right? You're just supposed to work hard and, and, and really get down the mountain. And, and that was what skiing was about, was, was being good at doing hard things. And, and what free skiing really brought was suddenly with rocker which snowboarding stole from surf we stole from them you lifted the front of the ski a little bit that just makes the everything a little bit easier you make it a little bit wider it gives you a bit more of a you know i consider it kind of a, a landing area um the the side cut makes it just a little bit more fun uh and and, and exciting so free ski is a is a shape 
and a style of, of ski foremost, and that's how we really got started. But it's also a mentality, and the mentality is very much, um, I'm not here just to get down the mountain uh, a hundredth of a second faster than somebody else and and not you know quite knock over any gates. Um, I am here to do it my way, to car carve down the mountain, make it my, and, own, and, my own thing. And enjoy the moment and live enjoy. in that moment. And you can think in your mind that you are like your your free ski fan, your, your, the, the, the person, your, your, your free ski hero, and that you're doing all these great tricks. You might not be, but it doesn't matter because you're doing it your way, right? Um, I think that's a huge difference. And you know, there will always be racing and, and people who love ski racing, but you know, then it's all about podiums and and what happened at and I just remember the you know one of those click moments in 2012 was literally saying you know when I grew up every Saturday 10 a.m. you saw wide world of sports and somebody's holding a ski on a podium whereas with free ski people are watching videos that they're sharing you know with Facebook at the time and, and now Instagram and everything else um, you're enjoying that on your own time and then you know, if you can create a story and a visual and a feeling that people enjoy, you know, this really took me back to to the Disney times. You know, we were spending millions on film production. We were spending more millions on film distribution and film advertising. Um, and, you know, one of the things you do in, in, in ski manufacturing, ski brand development, is you... You, you pay some really, really great film companies, film producers, uh, to to put your writers in, in the film. And and yep. these films are things that I grew up with. You know, back in the old days, it was Warren Miller, but you got Matchstick, you got, um, you know, Legs of Steel, uh, Teton Gravity Research. These are great, great folks and, and great productions. Um, but, you know, as a brand what you kind of get out of it is you you keep these films alive and and viable and you get a couple base shots and 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 you know, on some heroes and we kind of talked to one of those companies and we're just like a hundred grand for for like a pre-roll and a base shot or two you know and it's a classic you know over a beer kind of saying hundred grand we can make our own damn film for a hundred yeah. grand then yeah. they said well no 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 you need to you know, over a million, you need the helicopters to film the helicopters to film the helicopters. I mean, it's like, we're just like, well, we'll do it a different way. And that, again, we got really lucky because technology was changing. And we got, we were really fortunate. We had some really core people called the Crapules uh, out, of, out of France. And one of them was a really talented um, artist and, and, and photographer and filmmaker. And we literally bought him a nice camera uh, as part of the, the, the payment to him to, to do some of our first video work, and that's uh, Etienne Morel. And he's proven to be, you know, now he's one of the best action sports filmmakers in the world and, and cinematographers and really put a stamp in, in everything we do. Um, but it was about, and that was kind of the point, it wasn't about the big budget. It was about being close, being part of the writing, being right there with the with the steady cams, the follow cams, the, the POV, the GoPros, um, 
And then those really early, loud, clunky drones even, uh, which are now super amazing uh, devices. But all of that kind of changed it to you're there. And as a as a fan, I love that so much, right? It's not I'm worshiping on a pedestal, and you have some of that too, but, but a lot of it is just like, that could be me, and that is free ski, right? Exactly, you with your mates. Yeah, and you know, it's like, it's like me and my mates. Well, okay, well, maybe they're a little bit better, but hey, um, but that's all right. And, and that's always where we've tried to keep it, you know, as much as these are some of the best writers in the world, we always want to bring the, the part that is tangible. Um, and so that's why we called our first film, This Is Home. It was really a, a, about writers kind of showing the other, other writers their home mountains and how they grew up with it. The Collective is about skiing together with your friends. Um, and Roots was, is again, you know, what are the roots of free skiing? It's about getting, you know, getting your feet out there and, and, and doing it yourself. Um, and and ho hopefully, you know, what we've done has resonated in a way that has has been great because of it is media. You know, one of the things about it is that I love it. I love it that we've built a media company, but it's also a product company. Exactly. With a lot of liberty, right? Mm -hmm. And if we just take a step back and look at the skiing industry in a sort of wider context, what's attractive? I mean, obviously there was a you, <laughs> you found you found a hole in there for for faction to fit perfectly, but yeah, what sort of state is this is the sector or the industry in currently? Well, well, let's be clear. I had kind of fully intended to go into technology, and uh, you know that's all about blue oceans uh, of, of vast untapped opportunity and and endless uh, scalability. The you know downloads and 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 this was you know I, I, I you never know what the path is going to take you down. Um, but I was running the digital agency and I just was, you know, my plan was always to kind of stick with tech, but then you kind of, I just had a, you know, some, a flip moment and said, I'm going to do this. But, you know, from 2006 and even from 2012, this was all red ocean. This was red, 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 blood red ocean. You had from the nineties, a decline in the market as people were not going to ski resorts as much. The, the pricing got higher. Uh, people started renting, and and fortunately, we were too small to to bear the brunt of that that downturn. Mm -hmm. But we everything we we knew everything we had to do. We had to eat somebody else's lunch to get right. So that was always the intent. Um, much to our surprise and much to our excitement, um, in you know starting around 2011, the market started growing again. Uh, it had hit kind of bedrock. It, it also was, and it, it started taking. People back from snowboarding, uh, um, which, which was partly, yeah, and that was where we had a couple of exciting moments, kind of whoa moments, which is that, you know, we were now we were no longer specks in the in the ocean, even though we were very very small uh, ourselves and brands like uh, Armada, which really kind of in a lot of ways got got the whole thing going, and and uh, and Black Crow's uh, movement, we were creating the excitement of free ski. And of course the majors, they can make good skis, right? Mm -hmm. And they were making free skis, but they're at their core, at their heart, they're either, you could call them racing, you could call them traditional, you could call them multi-segment, but they didn't have the kind of freedom to just be free ski brands. And so we had the opportunity to help 
forge and, and create the, you know, catalyze, ex excite people into that segment. And then bit by bit, what was when we started twin tips and, and free and, and, and free skis were about 6% of the market. Um, today, if you include free rides, so that's the big, big mountain, you know, fatter skis, and then the technologies really evolved and, and, and it's pretty exciting. Freestyle, um, which is more the park and the, yeah. the stuff you watch on the Olympics and things like this. And touring, uh, which is when you're, you're strapping Velcro on your on, on bottom of your skis and going uphill. Um, this is over 30% of the market now. That's yeah. transformational. And yeah. so that is, so what you saw was that this, this red ocean feeding thing of like eating part of the market and creating that market is now fueling the market. It, it is creating growth. There, you know, the, the the pandemic was a wonderful time where people, either because they were in France and the ski lifts were closed, or just because of they were cooped up and really wanted to get outside. You know, touring is booming, and people are yeah. saying, you know, and and you know, side country meaning I want to take a lift, but then I want to go a little bit further and 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 really get into nature has been booming. And so, the the ski industry has grown a little bit, um, but we, you know. For someone who kind of always loved the idea of, of, of building businesses that were, um, you know, tech and blue ocean, what's exciting is that this red ocean's become a bit more blue. We've 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 grown that market, um, and then we brought a little bit of you know additional excitement to it with with what we do by hopefully inspiring people directly. Uh, with the media, with the social media, with especially the athletes, bringing the athletes and its story into life. That's what excites people. I mean, you have an incredible roster of athletes. I mean, uh, your haul at both the X Games and, and Beijing Olympics were, was exceptional. I mean, how many medals were, were faction riders? Do you know off the top Seven of your head? Seven medals, more than, I think, um, potentially more than any country. But yeah. It was. And, and I have to say, it brought a small tear to my eye seeing, seeing, uh, a faction on the podium so as as you as you remarked that ski racers hold their ski up so 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 do freestyle guys it looks like as well but it was delightful to see <laughs> faction on the podium many times well that was that was you know seeing the the trifecta where we we swept the podium and and you know with some of the the, the greatest girls in, in in freestyle skiing um was was great and what i love about it as well is they were each from three different countries you had yeah. You know switzerland china and estonia you know holding hold, all but all kind of united because we do try to spend time with them as, as, as a group but then also you know fighting their own their own uh, course to 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 success um but that was also interesting and i remember as free style was you know, snowboard was in the olympics before but in 2014 in sochi that was the first time uh, freestyle skiing was an Olympic sport, um, and I remember a lot of the the cool kids were kind of down on it. You know, that's that's just mainstream. It's not going to be any fun. It's a little bit like what you heard about skating before yes. the Japan Olympics recently. And you know, I had my hesitation. I was like, well, this could be good, but you know, it was it was hard to kind of buck the trend there. But you know, after that, I was like, you know, people were really excited. The skiers were doing you know amazing things, and. And that there was a way to be a part of that, and so we decided at that point, you know what, let's let's get involved with that part of, of the sport. Um, 
And so it's it's a little bit crazy, especially now, to think that that was being a bit iconoclastic to say, you know, actually we're going to buck the the, the no metals trend. But um, but we also, you know, we were really bootstrapping. Um, we didn't have a lot a lot to go with. We we couldn't just go out and 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 hire you know regular Olympic mm-hmm. contenders anyway. But we found, and and that was where you know between. Uh, Beanie uh, Delarue, uh, who was running our marketing, and Matt Sume, uh, an inter- ex-intern that became our, you know, kind of athlete guy initially, um, and then eventually Tim Hardy, who runs our, our athletes and media now. Um, we started really focusing on on the younger folks, and we really thought the women were under um, under supported, and mm-hmm. so we really made a, a point of that, and supported some of the the women in the game um really focused on making product and and, and we we could never win on money so that made us work harder as people uh to and to offer again this this great media opportunity to say we'll we'll try to get your story out there better than than a lot of the big brands and you you, you really matter for us and you know the first person on was was julia tano but then we we were able to bring on um Mathilde Grammont and Sarah Hofflin, um, you know, Mathilde when she was 15. Uh, we brought in, you know, Kelly when she was actually 13, um, which I was, you know, when the guys brought that up, I was like, you know, she was 12 at the time. I was like, this is too young. But but then, you know, we actually bumped into each other in the woods in Japan and uh, in, in Hakoba, as you do. And we're like, okay, this is, this is a, you know, exciting opportunity. Um, but then that enabled us to build, when we'd already had, um in terms of uh the athlete side of things the the best known athlete in, in free ski that you could ever ask for yeah um he he did free ski he did uh free free ride freestyle uh and he has got he's the the everybody talks about the goats in each industry and this was the undisputed goat which is candy to vex um and you Tony and I put together a program which was, you know, instead of giving him a signature ski, we gave him a signature range, and and we supported him along the way. And meanwhile, he turned out to, you know, what we what we knew then and what we we're excited about. He's a also a media director, producer. Uh, he's a magician, and and so that's why he enchants everyone. And so that had already gotten us up in the athlete game. But but before that, frankly, our idea was that like the products would sell themselves. Yeah. And we, we opened, you know, we had our website, we had our products, we had no customers. <laughs> and so, so we, Candide really switched that. And then, you know, by building up this, it's a very different animal when you're looking at the, 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 the World Cup and the, and the Olympic side of things. Um, but we were lucky enough to then uh, bring on, you know, some of the right folks at the right time, uh, and and Alex Hall came on when he was 14 years old, uh, old as well. And you fast forward to Korea, and we got gold and silver in the Korea Olympics with, um, you know, with the super talents of of Sarah Hoflin and and Mathilde Gramont, uh, um, and you know that then kind of started building exactly what you imagine from sports per se like ah, they must be pretty good yeah uh, and uh and so we were then able to and we've been very very careful I, I i so respect what what you know tim hardy and uh is is able to do which is you know we we take on very few people uh and 
we, we you know, there's so much great talent we'll never be able to support because we just can't give our all to each each person. Um, but we're we work with them, we try to support them, and and then Eileen Gu, uh, we saw her kind of arise when she was 15, and we knew that she was going to be a super talent. And and you know when that culminated at the Olympics with Eileen, you know she would I mean, have been. Eileen's a little bit like the Emma Ranacanu of of skiing, isn't she? I mean, you know, bilingual. A beautiful young lady, a market, a marketer's dream, but also an incredibly talented sportswoman. She's also incredibly articulate. And um, when when I first met her and her mother, uh, when she was fifteen, she had a very clear vision. She she wanted to use her talents in free skiing to build bridges amongst cultures and to inspire uh, as many, especially women, but but people as possible. And so when she, you know, she had been training a bit with the with the U.S., but frankly, she had been doing most of her training with with her mom and with you know with herself and with her own talent. Um, but she switched to China, and that created this. You know, it's it's quite interesting to see. You see the the hawks on the the, the Chinese side, kind of saying, you know, is she really Chinese? You see the Americans, you know, on Fox News saying you know ridiculous things. Um, but what you see is the most people. Are seeing through and saying this is a, a a woman who's the top of the game who's worked really hard and who is both cultures and that's that's okay and so she's really trying to to, to do that and so we she always had that kind of feel and and she was always again very articulate she she was actually training in switzerland when she took the sat which is what you need to get into universities in america um and so she literally went running in Geneva to get into the to get there on time from from her training and she missed one question on the SAT so that's like you know kind of you know missing you know one question on the the A levels or GCSEs or whatever I mean she's she's a, a true talent of, of both mind and sport um, so that's it was really exciting to see her dreams come through as well yeah. and what is what is that connection done for faction in China what what has that done post the Olympics, for instance, for, for faction in China? Well, we and again, going back to some of the how our philosophies have kind of evolved with globally, but also in China is, um, you know, there was whenever there's a formula, we, we try to question it. And the formula was, you know, you go and you get a distributor in each market and they'll take care of everything and you give them some marketing materials and some product and and, and hope for the best. Um, but the world was going through a real change and, and distributors didn't have the margin they used to. And I just remember distinctly the day that our, our Swedish distributor called and said, look, the, the Germans are, are making things impossible. And I said, well, what, you know, well, well they're selling in our market. And I said, well, then, I mean, they're, they're selling to companies that are selling into your market. Uh, so yeah, but they're undercutting us. And I said, oh well, okay, wait. We're in your EU. I can't, I can't technically reduce, you know, control prices. But but it doesn't sound like those guys. That they wouldn't, they wouldn't be discounters. I said, no, 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 they don't discount. But in Sweden, we always charge twenty percent more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you say, well, wait a minute. This is really funny because literally last week we were talking to the Spanish distributor who said that they usually sell for twenty percent less than the French. And I said the Pyrenees just aren't tall enough. To make those markets separate anymore, you know, and so you realize that this is this is oh eight nine ten, 
like the markets are changing. Yeah. And and they said, well, we can, we're happy to, to run your market, but you have to pay for all your marketing. I said, well, if I'm paying for all the marketing, you know, I want to take all the margin. I'm going to invest up front and then we're going to benefit over the long term. And so we st- that was one, it's one of the fundamental approaches that we take with with Faction and um, and with our other brands now, FW and um, and United Shapes. And in China, similarly, the norm is you have to either JV or or distribute or whatever. And we had a, ni- a really nice distributor that, you know, w- went over there a few times um, and we just weren't making much traction. And so it was really, you know, time to either double down or, or leave. And we chose to double down. We, we hired a, a super talented person. We created a wholly owned uh, foreign entity there. And uh, and that timing was really great to, to then bring Alien in. And so we, um, of course, that from a very low base, and this is a country where this is the stat, I actually just heard it this week, you know, 50% of Americans are engaged in outdoor activities, sports, mm-hmm. uh, 10% of Chinese are, you know, 10% still of 130 million people in China, but but the government is is rightly really trying to cha- you know encourage more outdoor sports. So there is this you know crazy thing where there there are now more ski resorts in China than in Europe. We're talking 770 or so resorts. You've got hundreds of snow domes uh, that would really make the you know the one in Hampstead Heath or, or around there uh, blush a little bit. They're 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 much more than kind of ice lockers. They're they're quite big, and the people are going ski crazy. But they're not going ski crazy. They're frankly going snowboard crazy. Uh, and then there's some skiers, and so free ski was really nothing there. Uh, and we really you know because we go through that cycle with Sochi, I was like I think this woman can can turn the tide there. So we invested behind China, and our sales were up 350 percent. Last year and our pre-sales for this year are up about 300% as well. Those are all off a of small basis, but you know it's a it's a it's a nice trend. And we're committed to China. She's really opened a lot of doors, and uh, we're building building with that. And and the crazy thing that we learned with this is now we've got a team there. We've got seven people. Um, is how much we learn in the West from what they're doing in China. This is, you know, they have leapfrogged us so far in e-commerce and 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 a lot of sales activities. So we we try to make a really one company that's that's unified. Our team is in, you know engaged with with that team as, as well as the one in Japan uh, every day, every week. And so so that's been really exciting. And then as a, a lifestyle or outdoor leisure brand, sustainability must be very important. You know, how how does that feature within the the faction boardroom? Super important, and that goes right back. You know, we we always cared about nature, but there was a lot of shoulder shrugging and saying, "What can you do?" Right, and I think that's the first thing that anybody who takes sustainability and climate change seriously does. You know, we're not going to get there by saving all our 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 plastic bags. Uh, we can only survive as humans, much less thrive uh, through concerted action. And so, in twenty, and I'll, I'll be I'll be very clear. And this is there's there's some great things that happened, and most of the things we did right and well, we did because we screwed it up really badly the first time. Uh, and, and I think that's a great <laughs> learning exercise. But um, but in twenty, I'd say twenty 
13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. You know, these were, this was hell. This was a hellish time. It's it's when you go from being a project or a you know, very small company into trying to be aspirational. Um, it's maybe, you know, adolescence, but we were, you know, knife's edge all the time. Um, it was, the, the, the odds of success were super low. You're trying to, to, to take on a, you know, a global challenge, but with, uh, with, with almost no resource and one step in front of the other. And, and I, you know, I, I had initially the, the capital for the first five years was my capital, um, and, and Tony's time. Uh, and so the two of us, you know, could be responsible for that. But then we, we took on external capital. And once you do that, um, you know, that changes things a lot. Uh, and we just felt committed to, you know, not to succeed. You can't, you can't make success. You can only work to success. Um, but to give, give our very best. And, and so 2014 was a very dark time in my life. And I was like, well, you know, what am I doing? <laughs> um, and, you know, getting deeper and deeper in debt. And then I was like, I, I literally was writing million euro promissory notes to our factories, uh, which, you know, would bankrupt me. And, mm-hmm. and, and by 2016, they were, they were, they were working on, on doing exactly that. So I said, fortunately, right about then, I read the book by Yvonne Chouinard, who was the founder of Patagonia. And the book is called Let My People Go Surfing. And everybody thinks, great, you know, that's, that sounds fun. Um, and I, 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 the title is super misleading. Um, the guy, you know, he, he dismisses uh, himself as a business person or whatever, this and that. But it, it, it's bogus. He's, he's, he's a machine. He's done, you know, great, great things. And we hand that book out to every new person so sorry for for the listeners who don't realize he's the founder of pa- the the patagonia brand yeah. sorry um so he started patagonia uh, and before that you know, more of a you know black diamond but then and evolved into patagonia and he wrote a book called let my people go surfing and we we hand that out to every faction employee when they join because that was the moment where i read the book and it was Super exciting to see someone that first off, they went through these kind of same travails that any physical goods company is going to do. You make a product, it breaks. You make a product, it does better. You have to ship it all around the world. You have supply chain issues. You are, you know, facing a a, a market that you're subscale for. And and he just kept powering through and powering through. So first, it was an exciting corollary to say this is possible but the second was you know there's a great moment where he he had the opportunity to sell the company for you know like a hundred million dollars which is like unimaginable um and he's there with the pen and the and the investment banker you know you know investment bankers and they're like well couldn't sign it <laughs> and he's kind of like but what would i do with the money and the banker's like you can do whatever you want <laughs> and he's like no but i'm like I want to make a good impact on the world. And he said, you can make a foundation and that'll be great. And he's like, wait a minute. If I just keep building this business and dedicate a lot of that business to also doing powerful, good things, I can do more than I could with a bunch of money in the bank handing it out to NGOs. 
because he didn't trust NGOs that, that yeah. much. Well, he wanted to support NGOs, but not to you know put his fate into them. And so he kept it, and he built this thing, that, which is now worth about three billion. And, and super timely, he um, you know just day before yesterday uh, made it formal that the the entire business is you know not in his hands. He's made it put it all into a trust with all profits going to primarily climate change and social justice, and that. That was something that was meaningful at that time to say, if we can make faction uh, something that has a, a positive impact, then then kind of walking away from the world of of, of downloads and and bits and 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 venture capital and building physical things that that break and that take forever and get lost in typhoons in the in the ocean and all kinds of stuff um, can be worth it. And we 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 felt very awkward about kind of getting too loud about it because ultimately we're making stuff we're making stuff yeah. with chemicals we're making skis that are really hard to recycle um, so we did a lot of internal work to say what what could we do to to do our own house cleaning and we tried to determine you know so Tony and I were working with a kind of an engineering guy and. We reduced our, the the negative chemicals. We reduced the wastage, but there was only so much you could do. And and so then I started this quest towards towards B Corp. And and luckily enough, I'm I'm uh, you know I've been aware of B Corp. And I'm really imp impressed and inspired by um, what Jay Gilbert and Andrew. So I built with that uh, for so long. And so we'd set a goal of of, of First off, what it is, is imagine an audit firm, but instead of auditing your financials, you're auditing your business, its footprint on the planet, its impact up and downstream with your vendors, with your clients, with your employees on social justice and, and impact. And you're building into your articles of association the statement that says that, you know, and, and it's not, you know, kind of anti-capitalist. It's it's the opposite. It's very pro-capitalist. It says it, it very much like what Yvonne Chouinard's journey was was that only by getting private capital engaged in the and then the the climate fight in particular, but in in in, in positive society, um, can you make things work? But that means that the shareholders definitely matter. And they're definitely the kind of primary driver, but other things count too: community, society, uh, environment. And so we, we we started that process, and literally um, last month, we were awarded the certification of a B Corp, um, a company. It's called it's a beneficial corporation, is what the B stands for. And they do that audit. You know, we also work with Climate Partner to measure our, 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 our uh, carbon footprint. We offset, currently we're just offsetting scope one and two. We'll start uh, offsetting scope three, which means that everything in the factories is well next year. Um, what we, it was always intimidating. And we do, we also are part of 1% for the planet, which which uh, you know came from the Patagonia guys. But um, it, it's intimidating if you think I have to be super sustainable, super green. It's wrong if you're thinking purely what can you do for marketing and so we really yeah. were anti-marketing for for you know all the way through but now we're finally feeling like we've kind of earned the right to talk about it um and 
we scored a 93.5 out of 80 on the audit and we'll do that audit every year and try to always improve what we're doing and then the long term what i hope is that and then we're, we're applying that into our filmmaking now um that with our example and with our our messaging we can put the pressure on where where the only place that that, that can really matter which is you know at a at a policy level and at a, at a large corporate level so that's what we're doing there that's a great um, accolade it's a very difficult uh, certificate to achieve from what i understand as well that's they right don't, they, they don't hand them out freely that's for sure that's right so we're the first you know material ski company out there with it um the guys uh, the ex-founder of forefront matt strivens who who's part of wander uh which is a chemical company making a kind of natural based resin based chemicals so technically his is also a b corp so that's great uh, but we're we're now you know one of the larger ones and we what we believe and what we hope is that we're we're not the last we'll be there'll be, be many more to come and then i'm very wary of your time almost taking up an hour or so um how do you fund the business and you know how so what are forecast sales what's you know, how does it work so our sales for this year we we pre-sell a lot of our, our products so we, we we sell to our retailers the year ahead and so we're pretty much set for um about 17 million euros francs dollars they're all the same now um <laughs> they are all the same <laughs> all right, Alex. um and that's up 46 percent from last year uh which uh was up 46 percent from the year before so this is you know we're it's it's, it's a little uncanny that we're we're kind of hitting that number um but i think one of the proudest years i have is we were eight million during the pandemic and we grew two percent uh in in the pandemic year and so that was kind of really doing good going and i think we we're the, the unique ones there um but you know i kind of mentioned the the that, that mid you know 2000 teens period which was pretty tough and and i can tell you that no vc or private equity players except for octopus and so they've been great. Um, so they backed us initially, but you know, over time, um, it was hard to get any in institutional capital. And so I kind of turned to friends. You know, initially, you know, I put in the first, you know, stake of, of about seven hundred and something grand. Um, but after that, you know, some angels, and these are pretty savvy angels, uh, people with city experience, like some people I know. Um, VCs, hedge fund people, um, private equity folks, they are putting capital in as individuals. So they're they're putting it in not only because of they love skiing and they believe in it, but that means that they understand the product. Um, but also because they believe in what we're doing, which is this, you know, modern approach, which I think is, you know, we're lucky, right? We're lucky because we hit a lot of macro trends around I hate the ter the term premiumization. Premiumization. Yeah. I say it with a Z, by the way. Um, but m the way I look at it is more polarization. You're either making this great platform like Decathlon or IKEA um, of you know everything's pretty damn good at that level, and you're winning on volume and and distribution, 
or your premium and anything in the middle is dead dead meat uh, and if you're trying to play both sides you're screwed right and that's kind of one of the great opportunities so we played we, we were we, we we had to lean hard into being premium which was great um and how do you earn premium that's through superior engineering and so in 2016 olivier gooby joined us he had been at norona and salewa and was absolutely obsessed by design and quality um we also in 2018 brought on daniel tancer he had been running the scott program for skis for a few years and before that had been in part of the relaunch of castle and before that for many years was at fisher and we brought on sarah asmore she focused she was an engineer at volvo and she'd focused on our quality control and ultimately our entire supply chain and esg elements and we had Josh Cohen, he's been with us since 2009, but he was really you know, part of the heart of the, the hard goods team. Because of what we were having before that was product that fell apart and product that was good, but not great. And so with those, that team in particular, we were able to build only excellence. There's only room for excellence in the pyramid now, right? or, or that big base. And so we focused on that. And with that, um, I think these backers as individuals, as angels, um, initially EIS, but now the bulk of investors are from Switzerland and the US. And um, they have, they, they believe in that mo part of the market, our distribution model, our media, our omni-channel. We had to be omni-channel because if we make put bindings on skis, we have to have stores, but we also believe in, in, in digital. And so all those things have come together. And we now have, you know, we, we call the, the, the brand the Faction Collective. Uh, I, I really love that because of it's everybody's doing their different part in that collective and they belong. And we apply it to our investment base. So we are actually 75% owned by individual investors. And we've raised millions and from, from hundreds of investors who are part of that collective. And we get together every year in Verbier every spring and test out next year's product with management and a couple, a couple of athletes. And uh, it's been a, it's been a great ride. And I'm incredibly in tune with our shareholder uh, yeah. obligations because of its personal. It's very yeah. personal. Yeah, I get that. Uh, and yet, what we don't have is, and this has happened to me in my life. Oh, we're hitting the end of our fund, so we're going to have to sell no matter what two years looks like ahead of you, uh, or we need to just. You know, it doesn't matter. We have to improve the margins, forget the quality, you know, off we go. So everybody's got a long term. They've got an IRR in mind. They're 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 financially oriented, but um, but we have the long term and, and true value in mind. And then what's the vision? What's the what's the five year what will faction look like in five years? Well, faction should be like one of the right now we're us uh black crows and armada are pretty similar size about fifty thousand pairs of skis each um we are all, all growing uh, quite quite well and so but then you compare that to the behemoths you know atomic 500 600k uh head rosignol you know rosignol is probably around 450 something like that um we're still small compared to them but i see faction being a, you know, sizable but not majority. We don't really want to go into low low margin stuff. Uh, and definitely, we've 
finally gotten a little bit more comfortable with saying we're we're catalysts. We're we're it, it's kind of it was during the you know the run up to the Olympics where some of our athletes are like you guys are really you know torchbearers for you know for free skiing and and that is a a real exciting place to be. That means that there's a responsibility with that and we want to bring that to everyone. So meaningful brand, exciting, um, continuing the innovation pace that, that we've been able to do with Daniel and, and also Oliver Binder. And on the other hand, you know, one of the books that I that I, that I read in, in some of those challenging times was The Hard Thing About Hard Things. It's a book by Ben Horowitz uh, from Andreessen Horowitz. And he's like, you know, everybody wants a silver bullet. You know, what's the what's the secret way to make this yeah. work? Um, and and the answer is, you know, there are no silver bullets. There's only a lot of lead bullets. Like, but, 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 everything has to work. And if you make a great product and you sell it well, and your supply chain lets you down, or your distribution lets you down, or or your marketing, you know, isn't there, you know, you still fail. And the 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 game is at a high level and everything you do now, everything we touch now is just such high quality that you have to be good at everything. So we had to build this functional expertise across everything from R&D to sales, to marketing, to finance. I mean, like collecting the money was really important. Yeah. Um, and we weren't always good at that. Uh, or or, or uh, uh, customer service and, and, and you know, e-commerce, everything counts. And so once you built that platform, we were like, wait, um we can use that platform for other things and we also we have functional excellence and then we went into every major geography we have subsidiaries in the us canada japan china uh, scandinavia uh, europe and so and we're a swiss based company once you have that platform what else can you do with it and so first thing we did was we launched uh well <laughs> when i say first thing we we, we tried uh, a couple times before we finally got off the ground, uh, Future Wild FW, which is our clothing brand, our, and, and the idea is very much aligned with what we're doing with Faction, but each one has to have its own personality, and that means it's quality, it's style, it's excitement. And, you know, the FW apparel is is up 100% year on year from a reasonably low base, but it's, you know, mm -hmm. it's snowballing, it's really rolling. Uh, then we bought a, a snowboard brand last year, um, or actually this year, uh, last fiscal year. And I'm so excited about that. We, we, we brought out this team of, of three, you know, struggling founders. So I knew it, I was there. Um, and so, well, let's put this on the platform and we can really accelerate. And that's what we've done. It's, uh, it's called United Shapes. They founded it in 2014. The idea is that it again, it's modern, high quality, and we've been able to slot it in, sell globally, totally revolutionize the, the R and D, uh, and and add you know, some some powerful marketing. So that one's great. And then the the last one one in the pipeline is footwear. Uh, it's technical footwear. We're starting with some uh, pretty stylish and, and and very comfortable ski boots that are also um, you know at the you know the best uh, of, of sustainability that's out there so multi-brand using the platform we call that platform the full stack and uh, and then uh, you know finally going out there and skiing a little bit more the pandemic was great uh, you know moved to Verbier and yeah uh, back to Verbier rather and uh, and 
you know, it's good to actually be able to get the head up and and and, and be using the product. That's right. Absolutely great. Now, as my regular listeners will know, I like to close with three questions. So, Alex, your greatest inspirational mentor? So I think building building you know companies and it, it, it could be a, a finance company it could be any kind of company but um seeing those that have powered through and 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 struggled through it and and succeeded and i already mentioned ivan chenard i think he's a a giant um the other one is is phil knight i don't yeah. know if, if you've ever not not read shoe dog if you're an entrepreneur it's it's so great because you just see this this you know staggering with body blows left and right and just one step ahead of the other and now you know you've got this nike wasn't always the dominant amazing company that it is today and you know through that force of will powered through it and 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 you know obviously some smart ideas and and, and capable uh actions so i think uh uh you know you, you say conceptual so i've never met these guys but uh but those are two that really inspire me. No, that makes a lot of sense. And then the book, I'm I'm assuming we've already spoken about it, Let Your People Go Surfing, which is an incredible book. To think that they, ha they had their the first ever work crash. Yeah. I mean, it was incredible. I mean, he has an innovation for business without actually even really, really thinking about it, I think. Um, uh, and, and then it's, it's a lot of these are these things that he's not doing it for charity. He's doing it because it's the right thing and guess what if you do the right thing you know be it organic cotton i love the one where he wanted to put out the to use the organic cotton and cfo says no you can't it's too expensive and he says well charge more and he said well, you can't charge more you know people won't pay more and i said well let's find out charge more and guess what people pay more for organic cotton right so you just got to have that belief <laughs> but also in the same way if you remember the lady who had a pair of 20 year old shorts and she sent them back to be fixed and they couldn't <laughs> fix them. So they actually ended up remaking her a brand new pair and just sending them back. They found exactly the same material, the same color and the pattern and just That's made her a new pair and sent it back. I mean, uh, it's, it's a delightful, I mean, a delightful book. And actually I think one that everyone should read. And then uh, what piece of advice would you give to a young person start, starting out on their career uh, to follow in your footsteps? Wow. Well, I don't know if I'd follow my footsteps. It's been a, a crazy winding road, but, you know, check back in in, in five, ten years. Let's see. Um, but it's been a great adventure. I, I would say, you know, first things first. Um, a lot of people want to just, you know, drop out and start a business nowadays. Um, maybe it's just my perspective. I wouldn't do that. Uh, I think it's so helpful and important to work somewhere that has people that have experience and that can train you I, I i remember just kind of thinking you know how my bosses at disney i just thought they were just so damn smart and 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 really they had been formed themselves by you know either accounting firms or morgan stanley or, or bain or whatever but the the thing the amount i learned the by them browbeating me rather than by going down wrong paths uh was so much so intense and then eventually you know mckenzie is uh, where i was as well is a is a machine at at training people so with those kind of early years you know nowadays it's not the path is not so narrow as it used to be it, it can be wide it could be an internet company it could be you know a well-run startup no those are hard to find 
Um, but um, but uh, you know, most of them are chaos, and 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 ours is not always an exception. But but uh, but get find somewhere where you got some people who have some experience that you can glean without having to to get all of the bumps and bruises yourself. What I would say, um, makes it, makes it whatever the industry. Then Alex, how can listeners get in touch with you? Uh, easiest um, is probably uh, a two x. So it's like Alex, but two digits away there at factionskis.com. So a two x at factionskis.com. I, I stole that from Andreessen Horowitz, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, this has been great fun. Thank you so much for your time. All right, thank you, Nick. Thanks for listening to Different Perspective, a Zeus podcast. If you'd like to feature on the podcast or get in touch, you can contact me on live at zeuscapital.co.uk. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.